This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you before the Warriors bring on the uh, Dallas Mavericks. As always, we're joined by Combo. And we're going to talk about whatever we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Celtics, talk about the Heat, talking about the you know Mavericks and the Warriors. Uh, we're going to talk about how Combo is doing today, which is how how is that happening right now? It's going well. Just got back from working out. Everybody wanted to hear uh, Combo's basketball takes at the gym, but I'm like, I got to get to the B-Ball Breakdown YouTube channel, and you can hear him there. Ah, uh, that's a great way of funneling the, <laughs> some more of our audience. So hopefully, <laughs> they're here. Shout out to Combo's workout people. Um, what did you work on today? Full body. I've been doing some full body, uh, full body stuff. Um, my guy Bobby is a trainer. He actually created a program called Good Drill, and I've been doing his program. It's been a lot of fun. So the weightlifting side of it is actually a full body workout. So it's pretty cool. Nice, nice. Well, I will um, tell you, I am actually going to a place called Stretch Labs, and twice a week for fifty minutes, they stretch the crap out of my body. And I got to tell you, after about a month of doing this, and then I try and do it on my own. I really should be doing a lot more on my own, but I'm doing a little bit. Um, I got to tell you, I feel a lot better. My posture is a lot better. My hips are, are much more flexible. I can move better. So, you know, that, that stretching thing is, a, is, is very valuable. Most definitely. And you say you do a little bit when you're on your own. I think that's really important for people that like 10 minutes is better than nothing. Yeah. So yeah. that, that, that's a big key there. And flexibility training with the combination of resistance training is just awesome for you. Yeah. And also because, you know, they're, they're pushing me. They, they want me to get to a seven when they're when they're trying to get me into a stretch okay. you know, beyond that. So as I'm stretching on my own, I'm kind of pushing myself probably more than I normally would have to kind of get a little deeper. And that really helps, too. So uh, for sure, it's a you know, maybe they'll advertise one day on the channel. I'll give them some free a free shout out right now. But uh, really good stuff. And um, what else do I want to talk about with you? There was something I was going to mention, but oh yeah. Well, first of all, if you want to get your comments that are flying through those comments uh, on on screen and, and actually get us to react to them, then Super Chat is the way to go. If you're over on the Twitter side, just hit the link over to uh, the YouTube side. You can be able to Super Chat us. And um, if you want to come on the actual show in the description of the YouTube you know, video, uh, there's a link and you could actually join us via video, which we always mm -hmm. love. And and uh, don't forget, though, we're going to we're not going to go into the game. So we're going to this is a pregame show. We got a solid 45 minutes plus to talk about things. So let's get into it. Did you watch the game last night, Combo? I did. Uh, what's your first thought? Well, let's talk about my pre-series thoughts. I thought the Celtics would win this series in six. I'm not going to move off that. I think Boston is still the best two-way team out of the four teams left. Al Horford not playing is interesting because they can't play their five-out offense. But I would say the way Miami could win this series, which I don't think they will, is really just to out-tough them, right? They got toughness. Like Jimmy Butler's super tough. If him, P.J. Tucker, Kyle's not playing right now. But those three guys are the toughest guys in the series. Not saying the Celtics are soft. 
But I think that's a way that Miami could get it done. But I would still say Celtics in six. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of preparing some thoughts, you know, in the beginning of the third quarter where the Celtics, Celtics had control of the entire game up until that point without the two starters. Now, we know Lowry wasn't playing for the Heat. and I'm not even sure what his story is, but um, it would have been an absolutely devastatingly awful loss in a game one at home uh, to a team missing those two guys, uh, especially the way it seemed like it was going. Like they really had control. But uh, I got to tell you, like, you know, Jason Tatum was was kind of embarrassing, I think, in that second half. He really did not play well. That that uh, pocket he got picked at midcourt by Oladipo, um, you know, that cannot happen. Here's a guy they talk about being an MVP candidate, and I get it. Without Smart there, he's bringing the ball up, so he's not so comfortable doing that. But you got to be able to at least dribble the ball past half court against a guy like Oladipo, and they just got his cookies t- taken. Um, I thought he was. I thought he did not help them at all. And, he, and had he been able to help them even a little bit, a little bit, they would have. They could have taken that game. Yeah, look, I've been critical of Tatum in the past. He's improved upon a lot of things. That when he's playing at his best, he is a top tier NBA player. The thing is, he doesn't have the consistency of a Jokic, a Luka Doncic, even a LeBron and a KD and Embiid and Giannis. He's not on that level yet to me because of the consistency. Yeah, and then there's it's minor things, and in case I'm a little bit too loud, I think I'm, I'm now in the right levels because I keep forgetting. I got this problem with my soundboard where if I have the monitor up too loud or like normal and then I have the, my mic up to normal without my headphones plugged in, it starts to go, it like starts to hum and like it's going to blow up or something. So We could, we could I, definitely hear you now, that's for sure. Good. And I, but I, and then, but then I forget to freaking turn my, my my levels back up, and I do it when I'm doing my voiceover recording, and I have to do the whole thing over again. It drives me nuts. So if anyone's out there who's like a really solid, um, you know, sound engineer, maybe I can take a picture of my setup, and they can tell me how why I'm doing it wrong. Um, you know, throw email me coachnick at bballbreakdown.com. At any rate, um, so I mean, because look, I got some cool stuff here. Do you, we've done this before here. You know, or. I like that one. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so that's it. That was it. Should be very encouraging that the Celtics could win or could be leading and controlling a game for that long yeah. into the third quarter without without those guys. Um, Jimmy Butler was great, fantastic, tough. You know, just a strange way to score a lot of points. Uh, the way he does it without shooting threes is really weird. Um, but like you know, a little bit comforting from a throwback standpoint. And um, but I, it just feels like I don't like the Celtic, the Heat offense that much, and I've, it's been bothering me. It looked you know kind of suboptimal in through the first half. Jimmy got warmed up. I think he outscored the um, Celtics by on himself right in the third quarter. Yeah, to your Jimmy point, I think it's interesting the way he plays. It's not really in the modern um, basketball mold, but I would say if you think about it, guarding Jimmy Butler for a whole series is tough on your body. You got to say that, right? Like, yeah. you're going to feel it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny because I did the, vid- the video with um, Luca today, which everyone seems to be liking and should check it out if you haven't seen it yet. And there was this, you could see the physicality that Luca was putting up on uh, Bridges, who is a terrific defender, but, you know, he's outweighed by 40 pounds. And despite it being much longer uh, than Luca in theory, he could not, he couldn't sustain that. Luca could bash him down and then get, he gets stuck in the, in the ball screens a lot. And that would be, and then all of a sudden Aiton is now dealing with that, which uh, he shouldn't have had to deal with as much, but nonetheless. Um, so Jimmy's going to beat on you. Yeah. He's going to make it physical. I, listen, I, I believe I could help him in like three sessions on this jump shot. He hangs in the air. Sometimes he doesn't hang in the other, he doesn't jump. Sometimes he jumps other times. He's just all he's all over the place with this, with this distance shooting. And if you could 
if we could help him with the rhythm, help him with the consistency of that, then I think he would end up actually making some shots. His 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 form is looks okay from the waist up to me. Yeah, I saw your Luca video today, and did you remember the spin move that he made? He bumped, spin, lay. Uh, who was it on? Yeah, it was an and one. Uh, I don't know, Wait. but what the point? The point is, is that like I think it was left foot, left hand, and it's when you have all those options, you could really score at any moment. I love players that have all those options because you could get it off at any moment and really beat the help defense. And that's what he did there. Like the help defense didn't even have a chance. Are you sure he did that against, you know, um, in the suns or the one before that? Well, it was in this video. It was in your video today. Oh, it was okay. Cause I, yeah. cause I went through all 81 buckets and I'm like, I, so I think I have them all in my head, but then again, there's 81 buckets to have in your head. So how do you do that? But, um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, yeah, he was just fantastic. But again, like it, 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 watch the video. You'll see, uh, I, I parsed it out by who was responsible on defense, which is a little bit hard to do because sometimes it's, you know, it's, uh, Aiton is close and so is Bridges. You got to kind of assign somebody to that. It was pretty clear, I would say, on, you know, 70 of the 81 buckets, but some of them I had to kind of just make a decision with my experience. Um, but if you watch the video, I think you'll find it really interesting because Aiton is the guy that they roasted the most. And I know that people were upset about, you know, maybe I didn't show the, the, the field goal percentage. Um, as if maybe Aiden had made him shoot really low, but he just happened to be the guy he scored against. But I don't know. I, I did it through the first four games, and he was shooting pretty well against Aiden. So, it, like, I, I'm pretty confident in games five through seven that his his percentage was still pretty high against him. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if I were Monty Williams and say, listen, I'm going to have to take you out because – you're just getting roasted for whatever reason, and we need to try and stop that. But that was not enough of an of an adjustment uh, based on how they how they kept just willing to switch and let him ISO. Yeah, all these a lot of these teams are playing five out offense, and you don't need to have a total five out offense, but I think you do need to have an option of it to win yeah. a championship these days, and it's making it really tough on the big men, even the first even the versatile ones. Right, and the Suns didn't want to do that. They either had Aiden in there or they put Biombo in there. And Biombo, listen, he, I know he's been doing kind of nicely for them and filled in, but um, I don't know. He's not the, he's not a guy you want to have to play more than about 18 minutes in a game. And I wonder, yeah. I don't think he did play that that much, but it just felt – and he actually was okay at times. But, you know, yeah, it would have benefited them to have Crowder be the center, literally, and, like, just go really small and spread. The thing with the Mavericks were there was enough times, even when Powell was in there or when they when they went to the four shooters around Luca, where you know the the criticism is you should double him. But I gotta say, I, I showed some of the clips. Like there just wasn't room to double. There he was in the middle of the floor. Like he would have just destroyed you on that one. But um, it was very strange to see Monty Williams not want to do anything other any more radical. Let me take a moment to introduce you to Calm, the number one mental wellness app that gives you tools that improve the way you feel. It can be like meditation or just a way to take a deep breath and let it out. It's important to find your center so that you can perform your best and Calm can help. They even have daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. I love the soothing voice and music by Harry Styles that helps me fall right to sleep. And you need to check out all their calming content. If you go to calm.com slash bball, you'll get a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription with new content added every week. Calm is ready to help you stress less, sleep more, and lead a happier and healthier life. Now, you know what I was thinking about Luca. I'm trying to figure out, like, for the Warriors, what they're going to be able to do and how they're going to do it. Let's talk about this. What would the – oh, you know, shoot, forget it. 
we have a super chat, our first one of the day. I forgot. Forgive me. Forgive me, Braun. Uh, best friend of the show, Braun, who's been a super chatter uh, galore through the, our entire series. His first question is, any thoughts on Jimmy Butler's energy transfer on his free throws versus his three-point shot, which is uh, 87% free throws, 23% on the three-pointer? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Combo, I'm going to throw it to you first. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is he's not committed. Free throws. He- his his free throws are more consistent. Like he's shooting it the same way every time. When he shoots it from three, it kind of changes and goes back and forth, with which isn't conducive to energy transfer. I wish we could get it on the screen, though, to really see how that ball is moving and flowing through the air. Well, you know how the NBA is about that stuff, so uh, let's not play around with it. But um, I kind of I'm going to like look at it, and I can give you some ideas just by really quickly if I can do this quick. Jimmy, and then let's just throw up like 30, 20 clips up here. Um, but um, if I could crop it, maybe I would try. But, um, you know, I don't know how to crop on StreamYard. That, that'll be for the next one. But at any rate, um, Jimmy's free throws, obviously, it's a different, it's a whole different skill set. We've talked about this before, where in the macro sense, you could say, all right, a guy's a good free throw shooter. And then there is a correlation to good three point shooting in the statistical analysis. But I think you and I both know practically there is almost there's nothing similar to a free throw and a and a and a 25 foot jump shot uh, in real time in a game like they're they're different different skill sets. Um, so it's always fascinating to me that there is some sort of mathematical correlation to those two things. But obviously, yeah, Jimmy is a much more consistent free throw shooter because he's not jumping. And he can replicate that motion versus where the rhythm changes every time when he shoots the ball from three, where you know, he'll hang in the air. He won't jump on others. His feet will flow forward. It won't flow forward other times. Uh, I'm not even sure he gets a great alignment. But when you can stop and take a breath and look around and no one's guarding you and no one's bothering you, great. Then, yeah, you can nail that shot. And I suspect that if Jimmy had that much time on a three-point shot, he probably would shoot better from three, too. But nobody has that much time, and so you have to be able to shoot in the rhythm. So, uh, yeah, again, I think it'd be really easy to to fix it. Uh, I just get it consistent. I would think, you know, the, the non-jumping threes that he does kind of I'd get rid of. But you don't need to jump that high. When I teach my shooters about jumping, you know, I usually kind of use the uh, free, uh, the uh, jump, jump rope uh, analogy where that's about mm-hmm. as high as you need to jump, really. A nice rhythm, springy jump that gets you whatever above the ground on a, on a, like, on a typical uh, jump in a, in a, in a uh, jump rope. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense. You don't need to jump that high. Um, I think when you jump really high, that just makes things more difficult. There was that MJ era where everybody was emulating him and yeah. guys are trying to get really high in the air. But I don't think it's conducive for energy energy transfer at all. No, I remember I was trying to do that when like in high school at some point. I was experimenting with a lot of different things because they didn't have any references. Nobody was teaching shooting other than like the two motion shot. And I remember like really working on my wrists because it's like, oh, the power is from my wrists. So if I'm going to hang in the air, I really need extra power for my wrist to get the ball there. Uh, that ultimately helps because I needed it for other things. But um, uh, when I finally just kind of got my uh, one one motion, you know, continuous motion shot, that's when I started just nailing threes. And, um, I, you know, I kind of wish I'd even grasped that even more. I would have been able to develop it even better and shot. I mean, I shot, uh, you know, I, in the JV level, I shot like 50% from three. The three had just come in. Uh, but then again, you weren't allowed to take any shots that weren't catch and shoot and weren't open. So, but you can imagine if I was allowed to shoot a little bit more and we could have refined some of the stuff back in the, you know, mid or later 80s, uh, a lot of those guys would have uh, been shooting better. So at least we're getting into it now. 
Yeah, the interesting thing about the one motion shot is that almost every little kid has it because they don't have any other choice and they get really good energy transfer and then they lose that sometimes as they get older. Yeah, although I will say a lot of times kids, a lot of kids will hop naturally, which is awesome. And then a lot of times coaches will spend the rest of their childhood training it out of them, unfortunately. But a lot of times kids will come running up with the ball like up here by their chest or their shoulder level and then try and push it from there. And I've had, you know, some trouble sometimes with certain kids at certain younger ages to dip the ball and start lower so they can get that entry chance for better as they get older. Uh, it's, it's a little bit easier, the older kids, but sometimes you get those, you know, those six or seven or eight year olds and they just kind of, you know, set it right here as they're running up to the, up to the hoop and then try and launch it. And it's like, you'll be a lot easier if you start it lower. So we got another super chat real quick and then we got some people who want to join the show. So let's get to Helicase 21. Thank you so much for the very generous super chat. Very, very appreciative. It helps us keep the show going. It helps Combo stay with us and keep doing this and make it uh, just keep making the show great. So thank you. Uh, Dallas beats pick and roll heavy offenses in Utah and Phoenix. How do they adapt to Golden State Warriors motion system? So that's a really interesting question. There's a huge argument on Twitter about who's going to win this series and who's got the advantage and who's going to guard Luka. But you know what? The Warriors have a couple guys, but the Mavericks might struggle to guard as well. So what do you think about um, the Mavericks and how they're going to end up dealing with the um, the motion offense of the Warriors? It's going to be tough because the Golden State Warriors might be able to load up against Dallas, but Dallas definitely won't be able to load up against the Golden State Warriors offense. I mean, motion offense, especially their motion offense when they go with their newer, I don't want to call it the death lineup, is just so hard to guard. So it is going to be a challenge for them on defense. Oh, I agree. So, I mean, look at it this way. You can throw a double at Luka, and he's going to hit Dorian Finney-Smith on the high post. You can throw a double at, at Steph, and he's going to hit Jordan Poole, like on the wing, attacking a closeout, right? Or he's going to hit Draymond Green at the elbow, who's going to now create an advantage. I think it's a pretty distinct advantage. And so as a result, I don't know. I, I would be much more happy or much more comfortable doubling Luka with the great rotations that the Warriors have on defense, especially with a guy like Draymond quarterbacking, than I would then I I would I would be harder pressed to imagine they're gonna blast Curry too much in the pick and roll because they have enough weapons now and Clay is there um to really, really hurt them. Uh, now they may be, they might get away with it and there might be moments where clay is off and, and maybe pool is off and maybe all three of them are off and, um, you know, the Mavericks will end up making more threes in that game. I think that's going to be the key is whoever makes more threes in the, in, uh, than the other is going to have a distinct advantage for the W. Who do you think wins, wins the series coach Nick? Uh, I mean, I, to me, I feel like the Warriors should win. You know, the Warriors are more creative uh, defensively than any other team. You know, Kenny Atkinson loves zones. You're going to see box and one, I bet you. Uh, you're going to see, you know, I think, you know, Wiggins is going to start to be on, uh, on, um, on, um, uh, what's his, help me. This is Luka like Doncic, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. Wow. I, I listen, I've got Grant Williams down. I'm very excited. Although I was funny. I was like trying to, I almost forgot his name yesterday watching the game. Uh, so Luka Doncic is, but here's the key. I think for Luka, are you ready for this? This is where they really got to focus. It's, it's kind of not the most obvious answer. I think the Warriors need to tire him out on defense. Mm -hmm. I Definitely. think uh, Luka's um, wind is not always. He's not always in the best shape. And I think that the Warriors are going to play a lot faster than the Suns. And that could be detriment to the Warriors because they start throwing that ball to the other team so much. But I think that they can tire Luka out by the end. They can throw Wiggins in the backcourt and they can turn a few times. They can throw Draymond in the backcourt and, and pick him up full court. Uh, they could throw Clay on him a little bit. They could do they have a lot of guys they can put on him. Uh, wait, I'm forgetting somebody else. 
Wiggins, Clay, Draymond, um, I mean, Otto Porter. I mean, the, the guys are a little bit size, sizier. Uh, but wait, who am I forgetting? I guess it would have been Peyton, but who's injured, unfortunately. Um, that's really too bad. Peyton would have been awesome to watch going up against Luca in my mind. Otto Porter? Yeah, I mentioned Porter for a second. Okay. And he's not really a defensive player in the slightest, but he's yeah. better. In um, the- he, he's good in a team defensive sense but it, when you get him in space yeah it's tough yeah i mean listen but then again he's probably played the you know some of the better better defense i've seen of him you know this year in this system and and i, I you know i haven't quickly saw iggy mentioned i don't think Iggy's going to be even suiting up in this series i don't i think he's just kind of done here, here um, here's one key for the warriors though coach. oh kaminga kaminga could be fun, oh yeah oh yeah yeah but they're gonna yeah. he's gonna get fouls the referee you know they do about you know rookies they just call fouls it's awful but he'll he'll get a shot that guy is a crazy athlete man Crazy, 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 crazy. But um, here's here's a key for the Warriors, and All it's right. not it's not deep basketball analysis. Leave Luka Doncic alone. Just don't talk crap to him. Yeah. I saw I saw Draymond on his pod. Very complimentary of Luka. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just don't talk too much to him. Just let him play. Let Luka play. That's a good idea because obviously, um, what did you think about you know the the Luca special you know and that you know here's what's interesting Luca you know his numbers were already so amazing it didn't really look like in game six and seven he made a huge jump at all like I'm going to make a point of this he certainly certainly didn't make a point of scoring on Booker I don't think Booker was was any of the defenders he scored on in game six or seven um, but. They won both those games, and man, the Suns really played poorly. I mean, it's the basketball gods, you know, just punishing Booker for being. I, I mean, I thought he was a jerk just for doing that, right? Because I was like, when he went down for a second there, you need to take it seriously. Like, oh my God, is he hurt? Like, that's that looks really bad. And then he comes up smiling, and it's just so smarmy, I, I, right? Like, it, that was not a good look for him either way. No, it wasn't. And I mean, Luca killed them that first half of Game Seven, right? Yeah. Um, and he laughs his way through the game. It's like, it's really funny. He's smiling. He's laughing. Man, he just makes it look easy out there. We'll talk about that in a second. We got a couple of people want to come on the show. We got Rafi, a friend of the breakdown. We got Joe. But first, we got another super chat. Thank you so much, Pavs. Paves? Pavs? Uh, thank you so much for the super chat. What do you think about doubling Luca frequently? So here's what I would say. They they shouldn't mix it up, right? Like there were moments when they when the, the Suns did blast him and really blasted him, and he threw the ball away. So I would expect to see just a nice mix it up. And maybe, you know, let's just say he handles the ball, uh, you know, 40 times in a game. It's more than that. Let's say it's 40. I would probably throw, you know, five or six or seven or eight blitzes on him out of those 40 just to keep it fresh and different and keep him keep him guessing a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think that that would be a, be a benefit to them just to keep it off, off balance. I think he definitely puts the defense in a conundrum because he's one of the best passers in the game. And then if you do too much doubling early, and I feel this way about LeBron and Jokic as well, he's going to find the open man, right? And then if those other guys get really comfortable, you're now in no man's land. You know who you didn't mention, right? Who? Giannis. Giannis is not that kind of passer. And I was thinking about this, and I don't want to throw shade on Giannis who we're talking about Luka, but uh, there's a decidedly different uh, – the in, the impact on the game when Luka gets his 40 and blah, blah, blah versus when Giannis does, I, there's something to it. I got to dig it out a little bit more, a little bit more, more uh, evidence. But I got to tell you, there are times when I see Giannis have these, a big game and it's not as impactful. And, I, and I'm kind of thinking it's because of the passing that Luka can do that like Giannis can't. Giannis is fine. He's solid. He can make the pass he needs to make when there is a double team or something. But uh, there's something more dangerous in my mind about the way Luca plays 
Um, and there's something more impactful. I just feel like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong because I know they lost three games when he scored a lot of points too. Um, but I, so I, I need to develop that thought a little bit more. But, you know, anyway, thoughts? That, that, that's interesting. Like Luca to me, and right now I've said this before on Twitter, like there's no clear number one guy to me in the NBA. There's not a clear number one player in my opinion. I know people would argue that. A lot would say Giannis. But when Luca is really on and playing at his best, you kind of get that like best player in the NBA feeling when he's yeah. really on top. I do not get that as much with all the other top guys. Right. Well, and honest. one reason why, yeah, I don't get that with Giannis. I, I get most dominant from Giannis, but I don't get necessarily the best because, you know, you can give him so much of a cushion that it's just like, it just frustrates me that you are a player like that that can get 10 feet of space if you're on the perimeter like that and, and get in the way of other of his dear teammates as well. Um, and, you know, it's a simple fix. Just, you know, he just needs to keep improving his jump shot and, uh, and then they won't, and then, then it'll be over. All right, let's bring Rafi in because he's been waiting very patiently. And you want to do, uh, where is it? There it is. There Ooh. it is. Oh, three across. First off, I want to push back on the Giannis thing a little bit. And then I have something else I wanted to talk about. All right. Well, just do it quick because I didn't want to talk about Giannis. And I'll, I'll do it quick. I'll do it quick. I, 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 Luke is obviously a better passer, but I think Giannis impacts the game, I think, even more because his off-ball gravity is so much more than Luca. Luca, a lot of times, is just standing around off-ball. He doesn't do much when the ball's not in his hands. And part of that, the ball is in his hands a lot. But when Giannis is like, Giannis is so much as a screener and a roller and just like drags everyone with him. There's so much attention on him. The number of like open threes he gets his teammates from just being who he is and the gravity he pulls into the paint is like, it rivals the amount of open threes Luca's teammates get because they're playing with Luca. And I think that matters just as much as the passing. That's fair. I hear you. Um, and then I real quick wanted to talk about the draft lottery. Um, which also happened last night. I've, I've, been, I've been doing a little bit of writing on that. And what's ended up being the most interesting thing to me is what the Rockets do. Because I think the Magic will definitely take Holmgren. Him and Suggs were like high school teammates and stuff. I think the Thunder will definitely take uh, Jabari Smith. They already have a bunch of ball handlers. They need shooting and like good defense. I think he provides that. And then I have no idea what the Rockets do. Paul, because I don't, I, don't, I don't love the fit. They've got so many... Like guys who need the ball in their hands, who like create like and and like I just I don't know I don't love it. But 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 Rafi, when you're drafting that high, you don't really think about fit much, because right. you, you're not moving forward with a lot of those guys. You take the best player available. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Benchero was definitely it deserves to be at least that high. I would think I love him probably more than any of those guys above him. Yeah, Maybe, I don't know. I, I'm not as I'm not as big of, of Apollo guy, and it's just the Russell Westbrook picks like affecting two for the Rockets. So I feel like well, the well, timeline well, is a little different. Well, well, let's think about who else is there. I mean, there's Jaden Ivey. I, I mean, you got some guards that you're probably move forward with, right? If you're thinking about I can see him trading down. Okay. Wow. So uh, I would keep that pick though. I, I would know. like to see what happens. I mean, you know, yeah. make that, make it happen, make it work, figure it out. We'll see. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I wish I was more or less ignorant about everybody else beyond that. I got to get on. Well, I guess we're still in the middle of the conference finals, but at some point soon I get I get on my high horse and I start watching all the college footage to get caught up. But you know what I the biggest takeaway, I take every year I say this, but you know the biggest takeaway I get from watching all the college footage in a in a condensed condensed time? My biggest takeaway is how bad the refs are. Mm, yeah. It's really crazy. So no block calls are even worse in college than they are in the NBA. And that's saying yeah. something sometimes. 
Yeah, no, the NBA has been maligned without question. There's been some some real struggles, and you know some of the guys are good. Zach Zarba is terrific, and I like Ed Malloy. He's got the funny way of calling calls, but he's pretty good and he's got a lot of experience. And then, um, gosh, uh, Kennedy and some of those other guys are great. But yes, there's some other guys who come out of nowhere with these interesting calls. Nonetheless, uh, anything else, Rafi? What do you want to throw out there? Um, well, talk a little about Celtics Heat. Um, I came in a little late, so I don't know what you guys have talked about it, but much. I think I think we'll learn a lot from Game Two. Um, with Smart probably back. Uh, Pritchard had to play so much because the Celtics couldn't go big with Oh, we lost your audio. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say the Celtics couldn't go big without Horford or Small without Smart, without playing Pritchard a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we just saw Butler attack that again and again. The Celtics defense only works when you're playing five defenders who can't be attacked because they switch everything and force you to go one-on-one. Like when Smart comes back, if Butler can still have a efficient forty-one point game and like put up those kind of numbers, then I think the Celtics are in real trouble. But I I would anticipate him coming back down to earth a little bit if Smart plays, just because the Celtics won't play Pritchard at the same time as Butler's on the court, and I think that's going to change things a lot. I mean, listen, Smart being there is going to change things a lot, and then if Horford comes back, it's going to change things even more. And so the only question is, is it a disruption enough where the that he can get kind of some sort of 2-0 lead or whatever, and then it's they're halfway there already? But, um, yes, without question, I think fully healthy, both these teams, the Celtics should should win in six. And, uh, you know, that combo, that's your prediction still anyway. Um, and Thank you. We'll see. I, I'm actually I'm anxious to see like what what because here's what's going to happen. Like you get a you get a good rhythm going, you figure things out that are working, and then the the roster radically changes when these guys get healthy. And then what is Bolster going to do? And it, it, you know you got to probably end up having to do another radical adjustment, almost like you're starting over again. So we'll find out uh, what that will be. But and it's a huge blow the fact that you know uh, Horford gets uh, in the protocols. And uh, but be prepared. I think, you know, this could happen again, like, you know, some other major name and the Horford's not that major, but uh, it could happen and it could shift the entire balance of the NBA. Well, um, for the Celtics, there's been reports that multiple staff members have come down with it. So even even for Boston specific. Yeah, well, we saw Ime wearing a, um, a mask. And that's a little bit like Steve Kerr was wearing a mask, right, for a few days before he came down with a a completely positive test. So Ime could have been exposed, which is why he was wearing the mask. And then they're testing, 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 and then, you know, it could take a couple days. So all those things. Sorry. Uh, He he missed today with the media availability with uh, non-COVID illness. Um, So Mm -hmm. either he didn't test and they're calling it a non-COVID illness to avoid bad weather, like, so he can still coach. Or he's wearing a mask to protect the players from a non-COVID illness. Okay, um, good point. Yeah. All good points, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I think um, I think Celtics have been have had their worst game of the series in Game One, two series in a row now. They usually uh, start out slow, though, right, Rafi? Not too many. They, big game they have, yeah, and yeah. Uh, they've bounced back very well. Obviously, haven't lost two games in a row um, so far. I don't think that'll start. I think they'll win Game Two, probably pretty comfortably, and then um, you know head back to Boston in a split. I think we'll see um, 2-2 after four games, and then Celtics will close it out in Miami, then Boston. Nice. Rafi, awesome stuff. Thanks for coming on the show and breaking that down for us. You're always welcome for a nice segment uh, to do that. So thank you so much. Thanks, Rafi. All right. Uh, let's do this. We have uh, some super chats. A lot of them coming came flying in there, so forgive me for not kind of catching them as quickly as I could. But here we are. Stash, thank you so much. It's not S-T-A-C-H-E, or apostrophe S-T-A-C-H-E. 
It is stashed like I'm stashing something in the somewhere. Uh, thank you so much for the super chat. Is Golden State versus Dallas series just going to be small ball versus small ball? Well, first of all, yes, because the Mavericks are just small anyway. You know, Powell is their center, and then they kind of go from small from there. Besides, besides Luca, right? Besides Luca, or or <laughs> hey, maybe they're going to get uh, the Boban out for a few minutes here or there. Um, if so, I give the edge to Warriors just because of their defense and better ball movement. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think the Warriors pound for pound, and and if you go on the roster, just have a um, just more talent across, uh, from top to bottom. Uh, anyway, I mean, okay, give Luca the top spot if you want to, but then after that, you probably have to give the Warriors every other spot. So, right? Um, maybe Brunson's in there somewhere. I mean, when Spence is playing at his best, oh shit, he's, yeah, he's he's right sub All Star level. Could even right. be All Star level at times. Brunson has been playing really well, and I do think Luka Doncic is the best player in this series, which definitely gives them a chance. And I would say, Coach Nick, I don't know if I told you this yet. The Mavs will win in seven. Oh, wow. You did not tell me that. So you're calling the Mavs in seven on the road. Wait. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Yes. On, on the road. road in seven, which, by the way, the road, the home game seven advantage doesn't seem to be as dramatic as it used to be. Right. It's still something. Um, you think that's from the variance of the three? Yeah, I yeah. do. I yeah. mean, yeah, because the variance of the three can then mitigate, like, getting out-rebounded or um, turning the ball over a bunch which right. are all the other issues you end up getting when in a game seven, which could affect it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my take. I, I would probably have to choose the home team in a game seven no matter what. But mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it does go seven without question, and we, we'd all be better for it. And, in fact, I kind of was looking forward to the Suns Warriors thinking we're going to have some amazing offense. And then the Suns offense completely went away from what they were doing. I mean, it was crazy. And then the irony is, and I showed a little bit of it, I almost could have done a video just on this, Spain pick and roll was being run by the Mavericks. And it's almost like while while they're breaking down footage, the Suns they would have been like, you know, this looks pretty good. We should try this. <laughs> and then, you know, having having scored nine, you don't score five times in the same set in the game ever. And they did that in game one, and they scored four more times in game two. Like that doesn't happen because you don't get it. You know, you don't run that many you know plays where it's like, okay, uh, there's a there's a brief timeout. You can set it up, whatever, add a timeout or or breaking the action. So the idea that you get five in one game and four in the other, and they just kind of stop doing it, you know, then you run it like nine times over four games after that is, is was insane. Um, all right, we have some more super chats. Here we go. Let's get through them. Um, let's see here. Scrolling, scrolling. Joseph C. Uh, hey, coach. Out of the three top prospects, who are your who are you highest on, and who do you believe will have the biggest impact from the jump? So I got to really do a really deep dive, but obviously I've watched Holmgren and I'm not that high on him. I really just feel nervous about his body and how he, how he moves his movement patterns. Uh, I, I probably want to say Ben Chero was the guy I liked the best of the top, you know, five who are in there. Um, who else was in there? It's Jabari Smith. And then who are the other two that would fill up the top five combo? Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Paul Lowe, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray. Um, Shaden Sharp is a guy who didn't even play in college, but he's getting a lot of buzz in the top five. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you got a lot of Johnny Davis is somewhere in the mix. Maybe not right there. Ben Matherin, I really like. Um, mm -hmm. I think he should be in the top seven, but he might fall out of there. But to me, I mean, I disagree with you on the Chet thing. I think he has the highest upside, and I would go with him. Um, okay. A couple of these other guys might be a little bit more NBA ready right now, but I think for the long term, I would go with Chet. Yeah, and then he's going to Orlando, so don't forget that. It's been a wasteland for a while. We don't know what kind of development is going to happen there, what kind of situation I want. Is. I wanted to see him in OKC, Coach Nick. 
I, yeah. I, I did. That's why I wanted yeah. to see him. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So uh, that's a tough one um, because that's that adds to it, right? You go to you go to Sacramento or you go to Orlando, and yeah, you know, things don't always work out so well. So uh, like we see, we we yeah. see Bagley playing better now. Like he's on Detroit. Right. He's playing with Cade Cunningham, and in Sacramento, there were a lot of times he didn't look so great, and now he's mm -hmm. looking better because it. As you're yeah. talking about right now, it just matters what organization you get involved with. And that's why I like Bunchero. He's kind of like that Kate Cunningham kind of guy, a little bit bigger body, taller, handles the ball, can run, pick and roll, can shoot a little bit. Like that's the kind of guy that you'd want to be, you know, running the team. So I, I'm anxious to see how well he does. And it just felt like to me, if you put him on the court with four other good pros, he will he will be that much better um, than he, what we saw at Duke. So you know, um, you know, you know, my one concern about him is the hesitation on the jump shot. Like Cade lets it fly. He kind of got like not the hitch, yeah. but he's kind of indecisive on when he wants to raise up. He definitely oh, okay. needs to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that could be a summer. They could fix that. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. So anyway, awesome. Thank you for that super chat. We have some more. I think I might have. Yeah, there we go. Blanco Smoke. Forgive us for the for the uh, delay. But thank you. Thank you so much for the generous super chat. I feel like Clay matches up better with Luca than he's getting credit for. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean he's gonna get an opportunity, but that's the other thing is they're gonna they're gonna scream and try and get him off of Luca, and that's the question of uh they, they and they better not do it. Where, what was I watching? What um oh it was the other series. It was the Bucks and um uh who the, the Celtics. The Celtics kept setting screens with Giannis's man for for uh, mm -hmm. Tatum. So suddenly Tatum has got Giannis on him when before that he had somebody else. It was easier for him to score on. Uh, they better not do that with this and like, you know, and, and like set a screen to get like clay off of him. And then all of a sudden it's Draymond on him. Right. Uh, or a better defender like that. So uh, but that's the other thing is I think clay will ultimately be a guy who will switch on him because maybe clay's man will set the screen. And I think clay will do OK. I feel like it, it'll go, you know, it'll go both ways because obviously Luca is bigger and stronger and taller uh, than clay. But, um, you know, I think we've seen enough from clay that that he's he's effective enough. Uh, physically after coming back from that long layoff to, to be to, to be able to do something. Obviously, Clay, one of the greatest shooters to ever live, but I would say his defense is slightly overrated, even when he was fully healthy. I mean, he, he's not he doesn't have the greatest lateral movement. Um, and now it's not even as good as it was pre-injury. So I think it'll be really tough for him. Um You're saying he was overrated like before he got hurt? Defensively, yeah. Clay Thompson? I think so. Wow, that's pretty bold, Cotton. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I think Draymond was the guy that, you know, he he kind of anchored everything for that defense and made everybody a, little, a lot better than what they were. That's interesting. Well, I'm not sure I agree. And, but okay. and, I, and also like him and Wiggins, they're all going to be too light. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Steph if they don't even switch, right? If they just try and keep him away from Luka. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. They're going to target Steph, so you're going to you keep your eye out for pre-switching to get Steph out of there. They're really good at that. And uh, you know what? Steph is going to have to do his thing. He's going to have to figure out how to stop him a little bit, or or get a lot of help and get rotations. But um, I, you know, I, I would imagine that they will be willing to let Luca get a, a chunk of points and shut everybody else down. It's not the that's a good that's a good combo or a good uh, strategy to have. And, and, and again, watch for 
them to to hunt Luca on the defensive end. That's what's yeah. going to get him tired, and that's going to affect him on the other end because his two motion three point shot is very inconsistent. And even throughout last the last series, he didn't shoot that well overall, but he did get really hot in the game seven when he thrives in those settings. And that's what you want to keep out of. Keep away from the game sevens and stuff like that, and keep him on his heels uh, the whole time and have a chance. Uh, we got one more super chat. Now, Eli, you've been waiting really patiently. We got Arbor who wants to come in too, so we'll get to you in one second. And the, you know the game's going to start in about ten. So let's get this the uh, one more super chat here. And again, if you want your uh, to us to respond to a question in the chat, super chat's the way to go. We'll give you a lot of love, like the shiny Haxorus. Thank you so much. Uh, really cool um, uh, avatar you have there. Is that a is that something I don't know? Is that like a, a anime or no? Eight bit, eight bit uh, anime, whatever that is. He, here's his question: Looking at stats, Mavs were out rebounded every game against the Suns. Got to think the Warriors will do well if they rebound in this series like they did versus Memphis. You know, rebounding isn't such a big deal anymore. You know, newsflash: Did you know that uh, combo? Yeah, because everybody just gets back on defense because everybody's shooting threes and they're closer to the defense, and it's harder for them to get the uh, offensive rebound when everybody's playing five out. No lies detected. By the way, the other thing is there's nothing I, I, there's nothing that's going to stop a team from playing two traditional bigs who will crash the offensive boards because, remember, the best threes are the ones on kickouts from offensive rebounds when the defense is scrambled. So why wouldn't you want to get more offensive rebounds? So someone's going to do that. And we've seen in fits and starts a little bit in the, in the recent times, teams playing with that a little bit. Like the uh, the Bucks were a good example. The Bucks, you know, and maybe not even as much kickouts for threes, but they would just get the putbacks uh, from two. Uh, that's it's it, it won them a title basically. They had so many wonky possessions that were saved by getting the offensive rebound and putbacks throughout that playoffs last year. Uh, they couldn't quite make it happen again this year, but that's that was their bread and butter. So there are there's someone's going to end up you know doing that again, I think, consistently and do and, and figuring out a way, especially if that if one of those big men can shoot a little bit. Um, but so I don't think the, the rebound is going to be doing. I think, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's the number of threes made. And if one team gets, you know, four or five more threes than the other, that's probably going to be a guaranteed win for that team. Yeah, that's interesting. The kick out is the way you practice. That's why it's a more seamless shot. And actually, when I was playing overseas, we had this coach where I forgot how the play was actually went all the way through, but it was kicked to the post. And the first option was for a kick out three pointer because he felt that that was a higher percentage shot when you were getting a pass from underneath the rim. Well, you know, you're, you're missing the real big reason why it's a better shot. Are you ready for this? Cause you're already lined up to the basket. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, so think about that. You don't have to turn your head. You don't have to open your body. Uh, up right. Not to the right. Right. And it's practice more like that's how we practice. Right. Right too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm well, you know, I'm we, we should be like this, but anyway, but we know what now that I did that, we have uh Eli to bring on the show, although I just want to make sure there's some more super chats. I think we're good for right now. Okay, let's bring Eli on and let's do our three man. There we go. Eli, what's happening, my man? How you doing, coach? How you doing, combo? Sorry for the good. delay. Sorry, but thank you for patiently waiting. No, it's all good. Um, I want to talk to you. Um, basically, I, I just something I've been thinking about. It's um something that I thought about by Giannis also and, and, and I kind, of, kind of with Steph is there are these players that have like fantastic regular seasons and then which players can do that in the playoffs and then which players are drop more than other players of that stature. And I kind of feel like Steph is in that mm -hmm. um, group of people that like can have like top three players in the regular season. And then even like in his like best seasons of his career, like when he had a 73 and nine and then when the year before that, even and then like the famous like Del Vadova series, like I really think that whatever reason his game, maybe because they're able to get more physical in the playoffs doesn't translate as well. I don't know if that's true. It's something I've been thinking about. 
You know, I did that video uh, several years ago uh, where I, I took the top 20 scorers in the NBA and then I separated out their stats versus the top 10 defenses and the bottom 10 defenses, which basically would, would predict how well they would do in the playoffs. And then I also was able to do a comparison like, OK, what's the drop off? Who's feasting on the bad defenses more than anybody else? That year, it was a Drew Holiday, as I remember, might have been the top for Philly back when he was playing with for Philadelphia. And, uh, and then the, on the flip side, it was LeBron, who actually, I believe, did better against the top defenses. So that's how dominant he was in 2015, let's say, whatever that was. Um, so that there's, there might be something to that, especially because of the way they play off ball and the way they allow them to play off ball and Steph can get mauled. Um, you know, he's yeah. had a lot of impressive numbers in a lot of those games in the finals. So I hate to say that's like, you know, we, we, could, we could show he's done well. But um, I, I don't know. I just feel like there is a, there's an inherent. Well, obviously he's done well. I was talking about comparatively. He has the best yeah. offensive rating of an MVP, I think, except maybe Jokic just broke it. But like that season when they went 73 and nine, and then like he was like pretty, like, you know, up there with the top four in the playoffs. So like, yeah. I'm just talking about a drop. Obviously he's still great. He's still a top five player in this playoffs. Like, He's like, you know, him and Dodge is, is a discussion. I'm just talking about, like, when we're talking about the difference of winning a finals, I mean, these things are, yeah. you know, the, these small things can, can uh, be a big difference. And that's what I think. He never won a finals MVP. Obviously, he had the rant on his team. But, like, I always thought about this, that they're able to get more physical with him, so that really bothers him. Like, they even have, like, a little bit of, like, more, like, hand-checking in the playoffs they seem to allow. Like, you know, I think it really bothers these small guards. I kind of think this is a win-win situation. Uh, maybe not win-win, but... If they lose, I mean, Steph is on the tail end of his prime, right? Um, he already had so many great seasons, so many great performances. But if he can really explode at this age and dominate the rest of these series, man, it's going to really help his legacy. Obviously, he has an amazing legacy already, but if he can really explode here, it, it would be amazing for him. And, and, and I would love to just see it. I, I want to – because remember, Steph's gotten banged up in a lot of these series and a lot of those years for, for yeah. stretches of games at a time, and it's too bad. Everyone gets banged up. I mean, I'm sure Chris Paul was hurt. You know, there was something was wrong with him in that game seven. He really right, looked – he just looked on his face like he was scared. Um, and that's too bad. But, like, yeah, it would be – I think from a fan standpoint or just from an aesthetic standpoint, how amazing would it be to watch Luke and Steph just go back and forth and throwing haymakers at for yeah. seven. Like, that's what we all want. That's all we all deserve. And it, it could very well could be the, the NBA Finals. But that said, you know, the Celtics could, could win the whole thing if they get healthy and they can get everybody playing. And it wouldn't even matter what happens with uh, this series. But I, I have a feeling that this is going to be the better series in the Finals, right? I, right, the Mavs and, and, and Warriors? What do we think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's more entertaining. But – as you were alluding to right there, I do think Boston is the best basketball team. Will they win? We'll see. Yep. What do you think, Eli? Well, I, I right now I'm just going for Miami. I know I think Boston's better. I just happen to love watching Miami play. I think they move the ball so beautifully and they like, get everyone involved. And I love Bam. So, huh. you know, it's yeah. funny. I don't like their offense, even though there, there is nice handoffs and nice cutting and move motion. But a lot of times, just kind of they're not getting a good enough tack for me. And it happened last. Well, it's not as good as their 2020 season, but. Uh, right. That was my way. That was a beautiful thing. So we'll see. And um, but yeah, it's Wolster's going to have his work cut off for him because, again, it's going to radically shift the, the game plan once Boston does get healthy. Like we know they're going to by game three, let's say. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm waiting for Bam to just get a little more of an arsenal in his offensive like scoring game. And he's just going to be I think it could be a big jump for him. Oh, did he, did he have, was it wasn't he a little more focused, I would say, on offense like one or two years back? He kind of has been less aggressive lately, right? Maybe. He doesn't. He, he, oh, it's certainly less, season, I think, yeah. 
after that, after the breakout season, he hasn't like progressed. He's kind of plateaued where he is. And that's certainly an issue. He should be better by now already. And we know what Miami can do with uh, development, but maybe, maybe they're not, they're lacking a post guy or something that can help. Coach, don't you think just looking at the rim could help? Like sometimes he doesn't even look at it when he's going for handoffs. He's not, he doesn't even take a look, which doesn't keep the defense honest. I hear you. Yeah, for sure. He needs to be a threat on the catch and uh, when he has yeah. it and, he, and he's not. And, and, uh, and, and, and it's always an adventure. I, and by the way, I like his – he's got a nice jump shot from 15, but it's an mm-hmm. adventure around the rim still. He's undersized. I get it. But he, they, it, would, it shouldn't be as hard as it is. And, listen, I have some ideas. I know how – I, I could help him. But um, one day maybe we'll, we'll connect. But, uh, Eli, we got another uh, – someone else wants to come on the show. But I thank you so much for hey, coming. Hey, one quick thing or I feel one bad? Quick, one quick thing. All right. Well, I just wanted to say, people say this about the draft always that, like, you know, there are teams that hit or miss, hit or miss. I really think that we don't take enough into certain teams just have better farming systems than others. And I think, like, you know, we talk about Marvin Bagley. I think that if he was in a different situation, who knows? The famous one's Darker Militant. People, like, swore by him that this guy was going to be better than Melo, better. And I just think that you have to factor in the farming system. And Orlando's farming, I just don't trust. I think Jalen Suggs is going to, you know, could have been a great player. He's still obviously his first year, but yeah, I feel people don't talk about it enough. They think that it's like predestined that this player was going to do well and this player was never going to do well, but I don't know. I think there's like, you know, the situations are huge, but Franz Wagner has been great. That's true. And, and, and Fultz gets there. It's obviously and- a little bit of both. It's obviously a little bit of both. Look like Tim Duncan was going to do great anywhere, but like, you know, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a real tough one, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with, with Chet too. Okay. All right. Thanks, Coach. Take care. See you later. Later. All right. Let's do that. And let's bring in Arbor, who's been really patiently waiting. Thank you, my man. How's it going? I'm good, Coach. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little muffled. Let's see if we can hear you better. Go ahead. Oh, wait. There's a chat. So my audio should be good. Can you hear me? Because it it just sounds kind of – it doesn't sound like AirPods, does it, Combo? Mm Mm-mm. It sounds yeah, like well. Okay, well, we can hear you. Go ahead. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, so I was thinking about the Warriors versus Mavs series. And, oh, shit. But, okay. Uh, and everybody says that, you know, you just get Luca, uh, let Luca get whatever he wants and shut everybody else down. But mm-hmm. I feel like this is a very good series for Brunson and. Spencer too, because uh, Warriors don't have many good perimeter defenders, especially since uh, Gary Payton and second went out. So, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, it's a great. And by the way, watching all three of them together should be a thing that that uh, Jason Kidd should do. It, it makes them very dangerous. And you're right, uh, team defensive wise, I feel like the Warriors are still very stout and they can really uh, you know affect an offense that way. But you know, Clay is still there. Wiggins is still there. Draymond is still there. Uh, you know, they have the, 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 the foundations of some good defenders that can, that can stop guys and rotate well. So, um, you know, listen, Curry, Curry can play good defense positionally at times. Um, I think, you know, Brunson's going to obviously try and take Curry. I imagine they're going to try and get him down low, and that would be fun to watch. So you're right. Yeah. Both the, 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 the Mavericks have some ways of hurting the Warriors. And so, like, like I said, I, I can't, I'm stuck on the idea that um, it's about threes. Who's going to make more threes in the game? Tom Coach Nick, did you see the clip where yeah. they called Steph Curry a two-way player in the interview? <laughs> and, he went, and he went, he went. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, a, I did not see that. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, we I already got in trouble years ago calling Steph an elite defender. But I will stand by that because he really – he did things that hardly any other point guards would do physically. They would. Well, go watch the video. You can't watch the clips that I show and come to any other conclusion that he was a really good defender then. He's um, a good team defender. Like, he can't guard anybody one-on-one. <laughs> Nobody can guard anybody one-on-one, right? It's, you, you can't guard you – know, by the way, that's what I, I said this on Twitter the other day and I got around – I'm already lamenting the hot takes of how, like, you know, Steph's a sh- terrible defender because he can't stop Luca. Nobody can stop Luca. And first of all, Luca is like six inches taller and 100 pounds heavier. He, you, you couldn't, what's he supposed to? He's not going to stop him anyway. Not fair. Um, but hopefully, Steph does step up. Maybe he may, by the way, Steph's ability to reach in and knock balls away is elite. And he pushes the boundaries of what the referee is going to call or not going to call. And I, I kind of want to teach all my players to do that. Like, really, just you're reaching and reaching and knocking that ball away. And, hey, they might call a foul or two on you, but it's worth it because you probably get four or five deflections out of that. So keep your eye on that. Yeah, okay, I will. Uh, another thing that I was thinking about is that I don't think Draymond is going to be on Luca or on uh, Spencer or on anybody who has the ball much because uh, he wants to play through safety, right? So if you bring him out of the paint, you just mm. take him off the dribble, there's no shot blockers there. And that's, that's what, what yeah. Luca and uh, Brunson do. I, I, that's what they want to do. I will be willing to think that that's, it's still going to happen, right? They're going to be somehow through the, the, you know, the normal rotations. Draymond will get a little bit of a shot at him, you know, and, and he will. But I, I agree. They want him anchoring, quarterbacking the defense and being you know, as, as off-ball as much as possible. So, um, but, yeah, great point. And guess what? It's six oh seven, and they're already four minutes into the game. So you know, we yeah, want yeah, to- yeah, when you go, when you go. <laughs> how did that happen? I, they were like late the other day, I swear. But all right, so listen, we, we got to get out of here. But Arbor, where are you calling from? Belgium. Belgium. All right, that's really cool. I wish I could say hello or thank you in in, Fr- in French. Is that what you speak in Belgium? French. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess I could say. Uh, merci. Well, <laughs> oh, merci. And au revoir. But thank you so much. Anytime you're welcome to come on, we'll chop it up some more, okay? Yes. Got it. See you, coach. Au revoir. Uh, combo, we got to get to the game, man. It's a 9-7 to seven Golden State. What do we miss? I hope I didn't miss anything amazing. Let me make sure there's any other Super Chats. I don't think we missed one. Let me check over here. Okay, we're good. All right, well, listen, awesome stuff. Thanks for coming on. Really great, great guest today, too, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Most definitely. All right, so we got to get this game on seven nine to seven right now uh, with Steve Kerr back on the bench. Uh, I, I'm, I'm imagining they didn't they have already less turnovers than they did in the first few minutes of the other games. And uh, all right, when we do this again, Combo, what's the next? We should do this now. There's only one game a night. We should be doing this. There's tons of people here tonight. Let's get to it. All right. Well, so stay tuned, uh, everybody over there on you know Twitter, YouTube, whatever on the community. We'll we'll get some posts out ahead of time. But man, uh, we got a great group out of there tonight. So thank you for being here. If you missed it, we'll post it as a podcast uh, tomorrow morning. And don't forget, sports fans and people, breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in?